familiar to some of you, but he's newer to others, and so I want to take an opportunity just to introduce him. Um, First of all, he is the president of our the association of churches that we're a part of called Kingdom Ministries International, more locally, Kingdom Ministries USA. And uh, this is a global network of relational churches. We're not a denomination. But he, along with uh, apostolic oversight, provide oversight and, and covering for our church. And we love that. can't tell you what that means to have that relationship connection with the elders of this church. And uh, Randy Howard directly oversees our church. Dennis um, is, uh, but overall, all of the churches. And uh, he, he came to Christ um, back in the 60s during the uh, movement that was going on there. There were a lot of different things moving, but um, was at Cal Berkeley, was uh, effectively uh, converted to Marxism, and but it was soon after that that God got a hold of his life, and uh, he's seen a lot of things. I remember we were we were talking at one point, and uh, God's really given him a gift just physically in terms of athletics, and uh, he's you you might hear him reference martial arts. Um, he's quite an accomplished uh, martial artist in terms of black belts and up the rung there. Uh, at one point, I think you said that. Uh, during the 84 games, we were, you were putting together some of your decathlete scores, and uh, you would have taken something like fourth place in the 84 Olympic Games um, when you put together his, his different scores in the decathlon, which is one of the most rigorous of the Olympic track and field um, events there. So some pretty cool stuff there, but um, more importantly, though, is just his heart as a father uh, for the churches that God has given him to oversee and, and speak life into. He happens to be the father of one of my dearest friends on the planet, Adam, who pastors a church in Santa Rosa. And so um, I've gotten to know Dennis um, pretty well over the years. Looking forward to a few more. We almost lost you a couple of years ago here, a year or so ago here, and we're very grateful that you're doing well. Your amazing wife, Jan. Jan, stand up for just a minute. And uh, Jan was said I would be remiss if I didn't mention that uh, it was actually Dennis's church where I met my child bride, Lisa. So that's pretty much the most famous thing that he's known for. At least in my life, anyway. But yeah, I was at, uh, at Dennis's church and, and uh, met Lisa. I was only there for six months, but that's a, that's a whole other story. But that was sure great fruit that came out of uh, your church and ministry. Dennis, come, bring the word of the Lord to us. Thanks for being here. I forgot here to to introduce as well uh, Kevin and Deanne McEwen, pastors of Christ Church Kirkland. Thanks for being with us on this special occasion. And uh, you guys, we love you. Christ Church Kirkland is the church that we were sent out from. 
And uh, it's an honor to have you here. And then back here we have elders at Christ Church Monroe, Eric and Gloria Swenson. And where else? Am I missing anybody else? There they are. Michael and Yvonne Hanford, elders and pastors out at Christ Church Monroe. And some old faces we haven't seen in a while. Dennis, go for it. Amen. Now, I the old face you haven't seen in a while. <laughs> it is a blessing to be here. I have been <clears throat> running around the world here the last couple of years, uh, mobilizing and trying to organize leaders uh, relative to the challenges that uh, we, we see on the horizon as the uh, <clears throat> Western civilization is coming unglued on some very foundational levels. Uh, But I'm not going to teach. When Eric and I uh, talked on the phone the other day and he gave me the uh, way in which you were named, and uh, uh, I went before the Lord and I said, Lord, uh, if you want to use me prophetically, I'm available. And I don't do that much. Uh, Is this recorded? Okay, good. But I do feel like the Lord uh, has given me some words for you. Uh, And I would hope that you would consider them. And uh, because I believe these are words that will spread out over years to come. So Holy Spirit, guide us and help us. We submit to you now, Lord, what's in your heart and what you want to share. And we thank you that there is a continuity to all that you do, that you do things suddenly, but they are in alignment with purposes that have both a past and a future. And Lord, I pray that uh, what I share will be... uh, from your heart, as I believe it is. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to turn with me, if you would please, to Revelation chapter 3. I don't know, uh, what, I don't know what I'm going to say that is going to align itself or uh, connect with uh, what's been going on with you the last year or two. But I am uh, secure in the reality that what, what God has done in giving you the name is he wants to orient you around a, an identity that I believe God has given you. And you see it in Revelation chapter 3 to the church in Philadelphia. I believe that this church is going to be aligned with the pattern of the Church of Philadelphia. And let me read, if I might, uh, and then come back and speak briefly to this. To the church in Philadelphia, which means brotherly love. If you're going to be aligned with a church, I cannot imagine a church that you would want to be aligned with more than a church of brotherly love. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, the words 
of the Holy One, the true one, who has laid the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one will open. We'll come back to that. It's a relatively obscure scripture from Isaiah 22. I know your works. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but a little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet. And they will learn that I have loved you because you have kept my word about patient endurance. I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming to the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven, and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. And then in verse uh, chapter 4, verse 1, it says, And then I looked, and behold, a door standing open to heaven. Lord Jesus. I believe your core identity is going to be, this is a place where people will feel the love of God as the primary attribute of this congregation. Now, we don't know too much about the watching angel, but there are angelic beings who apparently are assigned to churches. We're quite clear that there are rebellious angelic angels who are assigned to geographical areas, principalities, Ephesians 6.12, principalities, powers, and dominions. So we are aware that in the angelic host, they have been assigned responsibilities for churches in specific areas, which, as the Scripture says, the angel that is watching over this church is an angel that has been assigned in a very particular way to draw people to a place where the love of the brethren is manifest in a powerful and unusual way. This verse out of Isaiah 22:22 talks about the Davidic authority of guarding a door and that you have some anointing, which I found our sister's word interesting, 
you have some authority to open and close doors in the Spirit, which means that you're going to have to learn how to pray into that authority that you've been given and how to use it wisely. In verse 9, which, as I pondered this, when it talks about those who are caught up in false religion, I believe one of the things that will happen to you is that you will have deceived religious people who come into your presence that God will bring here to be healed and delivered. And that will be some significant part somewhere in your future of delivering people from false dimensions of spirituality. In verse 10, it says, and I found this especially interesting because of, uh, of what my calling is here in these, these years of, of my ministry, that an hour, uh, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming upon the whole world. Much of what I am doing, some of you are aware that my background was in economics. Some of you are, are aware that uh, what I am trying to do is, is find the gatekeepers and the uh, city fathers of nations and cities and uh, trying to bring them into communication with one another as challenges continue to grow and manifest. Uh, And I believe that this verse specifically applies to your ability to be a safe haven. I don't know what that's going to look like, but I believe that is part of your calling is to actually be a safe haven in times of severe trial. Whether or not that's housing people, whether or not that's sharing food, whether or not that is whatever dimension of brotherly love and care you will be extending, I believe the Lord is saying to you that this church is going to be known as a place that is a safe haven not only doctrinally to help people who have been deceived theologically, but in terms of people who have needs. And I believe that you need to pray into that in some depth. It says in verse 11 that you are to be guarding your crown. Uh... A crown speaks of rulership, and uh, that's something that every church needs to be guarding, is the authority that God has given to you. But that is something that those who are praying and who are called to prayer for this church, that as you are dealing with deception, as you are dealing with Uh, the healing of people that God will bring in you who are confused and deceived, that you need to be praying for the rulership that is in this church, that they not be swayed, they not be damaged by that kind of a calling. 
Uh, I would not ask for a calling of uh, dealing with deceived religious people. Uh, And I can assure you that if that is, in fact, a portion of your calling, and I believe that it is, that you're going to need some very serious prayer uh, around that part of your ministry. It says that as you overcome, you will be pillars in God's house. And I believe that in this geographical area, you will become pillars in the church. Because the church is not just this church. The church is the whole church. All those that name the name of Christ in the area. And I believe that you have a call to be a pillar. A place of stability. A place of security. A place where your counsel is valued by other leaders. Not just in the church, but in the city. And in the surrounding area. That you have a call to uh, be someone that you can rely on the wisdom that emanates from this church. It says in verse 13 that you will be bearers of God's name. I can't think of anything that any of us would want more than to be bearers of God's name. To be able to pray and be able to function in the name of the Lord. There's a lot we could say about that. But our authority is measured by how much of the Lord's name is actually within us. And I believe that that is something that is promised to you if you will be diligent to pursue what you're called to be as a church, that you will be bearers of God's name. Now, the last verse here that I was called to skip down to 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 Revelation 4.1, I thought was particularly interesting because I did not connect it, but I felt drawn to this verse for you. After this, he addresses the church in Laodicea. After this, I looked and behold, a door standing open to heaven. That there is an open door, not just to the community, But as you fulfill your mission, you will find an open door to heaven. That you will be able to see things uh, as a congregation. That you will be a prophetic church that has the ability to see into specific things that are coming in the future and to prepare for that. Lastly, I want to talk about very specific uh, things about this door that is open in this church. The question is, who should you look to that is coming in your door? Well, we know for sure the needy are going to come to you. Those who are attracted to charity, those who are attracted to the needs of human beings. That is this calling that you have. Now, that is going to be a challenge to you because, and I've seen these kinds of churches before, you're going to need to develop some kind of a filter system 
not to filter out who comes in, but to filter the amount of energy and resource that you give to particular people. Because since you're going to be a place where brotherly love and care is a major attribute of who you are, the word spreads rapidly to needy people when that kind of a situation becomes apparent. And you can be swamped. You can be overrun with human need if you do not develop the ability to measure how much resource and time and energy you put into particular people. It's, you are going to have to develop spiritual triage, which is the ability to recognize who you can give that time and energy to to repair and those who you do not have the resource to do or don't have the resource right now. Because you will run the risk, and I'll come back to this when I close. God has a problem with us, and that is to get people on fire for Him. And once they are on fire, to keep them from burning out. And the ministry that God has called you to of brotherly love and an open door and needy people and many needy people coming. You've got to make sure that you're on fire but you don't burn. You need to pray into the filter system that the Holy Spirit will give you and give your leadership teams so that you will not burn out as a church. This was interesting when, the, when I felt the Holy Spirit give this to me. This is an open door, but this means that, and this, this is going to be a little bit of a challenge. You're going to have a lot of people come in and a lot of people go out. And if you try and hang on to the people who come in, you will not be able to contain the leaders that God wants to bring to you. You must leave this door open so that you have a free flow coming in and an open hand letting people go out. And that will become a significant part of the skill sets, especially when you see people leave who are incomplete in what you wish you could do for them, or you see that they are maybe going back to situations that are highly problematic and you want to hold on to them. But I pray that you will remember this word and it will become a part of who you are because if you don't try and hold on, you're going to have a tremendous amount of spiritual activity of people. An open door is transparent. And your calling is to be both hospitable and transparent. 
One of the things that will draw people here is not just that you love people, but you don't pretend to be something you're not. There's nothing the world needs more right now than transparent Christians who are not trying to pretend to be somebody they are not yet. A church of brotherly love is a church of humility where you're able to identify with the needy because you're still aware of your own need. May you maintain the reality of our own human need. And if we will do that, God will grant you more resource than you think you would imagine to come to you. You need to be receptive, which you will be and already are. You need to be encouraging. You need to be truthful. Another piece of this word is, and I, I don't know how to, I was in, in Phoenix here a while, a couple of weeks ago, speaking to numbers of groups. And the question came up of, as we give ourselves to service and discipling nations and all of those kinds of things, how will we avoid the pitfalls of what happened to many of the historic denominations who in the 1920s, when the great theological battles here in the United States emerged over the nature of Scripture and the challenge to go out and get our hands dirty in society. And many of the historic denominations that went into social work and dealing with the needy ended up walking away from biblical doctrine. And it scared a lot of people. Uh, and it became known, and, and it's still commonly called this, the social gospel. And you'll hear that phrase even by commentators particularly conservative commentators. And we need to be clear that while we are a church of brotherly love, we stand on the Word of God and do not walk away from what the Scripture says. And one of the things, if you've not found this, I know Michael and Yvonne and others in here have found this, there are many, many people who are unsaved who appear to love people more than we do. Once you get into really being a place of refuge for hurt people, you're going to be surprised if you've not encountered it when you find that the general grace and love, of, love for people that God has put into the hearts of unsaved people. And you need to be forewarned that... That kind of care for people brings with it a very subtle pressure to soften your stands and your positions out of wanting to love people but not compromising what the Scripture says. That's one of the great challenges that we face right now in the church is how do we be like Jesus so that we are friends of sinners but we are not capitulating to social pressure 
uh, in that process. And that's something that I want to warn you on right now. And you may say, well, how could that happen? Well, there's a lot of pressure. And I want to close with this because I felt the Holy Spirit emphasize it. It's an incredible privilege to be a place where God can send people to get repaired. And that will become increasingly true as we cast off restraint as we are in this culture. The price tag for that is personality disintegration and disorientation. When you run from the commandments of God, you get to a certain point and personality disintegration becomes an issue where you are so confused and so burned out on life and what you thought was going to give you freedom and reality has in fact made you so discouraged and confused that as we see suicide even becomes a acceptable alternative. And there'll be a number of people that come here who are really burned out in those kinds of ways. And again, the pressure of that uh, makes us want to give and give and give. And uh, Jesus did not heal everybody. He had the power to heal everybody. I'm quite sure that the crowd that was saying, crucify him, crucify him, were the parents of children that he did not heal. They were the brothers and sisters of people who Jesus chose not to heal in his sovereignty. I mean, what would you do if you knew God was there and he chose not to meet your need? If Jesus was, const was constrained, by the Holy Spirit to heal one and walk by another. Learning how to discern that for you and us as a congregation is going to become a critical factor. Because God is not asking you to burn out. He's asking you to serve. And He's asking you to, in Christ's mode, discern who is the Father working with as Jesus said, I only work where I see my Father working. Now that means that you're going to have to, these pews will be filled, or whatever building you're in, the pews will be filled with needy, hurting people. And you're going to have to discern who is the Father working with right now. And who is He not working with right now. Because the timing of God is His sovereign choice as to when He is putting specific pressure on somebody to make them available to Him. And God wants to give you that gift as a congregation so that you are on fire with the love of God and you are a church at Philadelphia. But that you, like Jesus, live in the tension that... You can't be everything to everybody. And may the Holy Spirit take these words and 
as he appropriately wants to apply them to where you're going. May they help you when you particularly need them. And I'm sure you will. I am honored to be a part of this and I'm excited to see what all this looks like. But I do prophesy there will be a day when I will come and I will see this place or wherever you're going to be packed out with people who've come to experience an open door to the love of God. Amen.